Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Tim Farrow of Birdland Builders. At Birdland Builders, they know the key to any project is listening to their customers. For more than 13 years, their home improvement company has been remodeling and building visions, often from the ground up. Their professional and personal team makes the most complex detail look simple with a direct and confident approach. The most exciting part of each new project is working with their customers learning what the client wants, and coming up with a plan to make it all happen. Now for my conversation with Tim Farrow. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it Yeah, I'm looking forward to recording today and learning a little bit more about you. But uh, why don't you give everyone a rundown? What's the business look like today? Where are you located? Who are you? All that good stuff. Tim Farrell with Birdland Builders, located in Millersville, Maryland, kind of right next to Annapolis, if you're familiar with the area. Right on. Yeah. When did you start the business? We've been around since 2015. Started small projects and now we're we're doing big projects. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. What did the first year look like back in 2015? Was it just you or how did it get going? Back in 2015, it started off with just me and then it hired a helper probably three or four weeks into it. Probably six months after that, we added a carpenter, which got us through the first year. And then about two years into it, we grew to about four people in an office with an office manager. And then, you know, the first year we probably did some small projects like decks, one room remodels. If the phone rang, we answered it and we we would entertain any type of project that came our way. Times are really different now compared to back then. We really tightened up what type of estimates will go on. You know, our lead qualification has changed drastically. Like few years ago, we didn't even know what lead qualification was compared to now. So the type of projects that we we did changed drastically. Being as busy as we are now, we've been able to really narrow down and refine who we're doing projects for. I learned a lot leading up to that point, but then I, I feel like over the last two years, I really was able to, I guess, oil the machine and get it to where we wanted to be at and, and progress into you know what my vision was ultimately. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing now. But before we get there, I guess I'm always curious, like, what do you think are like one or two of the biggest lessons you learned in the first like couple of years, you know, when you're first getting things off the ground? One important lesson I'd say is learn, learn what you don't know and figure out where you want to end up at. Because if you can figure out where you want to end up at, you can you know, reverse engineer that and figure out how to get there, right? I learned by asking any question that came across me, whether or not I thought it was silly or not. Networking has been huge, especially you know, being part of Remodeler's Advantage, that and you know, networking with 
people like yourselves who's you know in in the marketing game and just you know what works for contractors right so i'd be silly not to pick your brain every chance i got on what is working what's the trends and stuff like that like that's that's been huge for me i'm in a couple of facebook groups too that like there are opinions in there just so wide that even if you don't agree with it there's something to learn from it right so that's been something networking has been huge for us yeah i think that's great advice yeah i feel like i'm learning that more and more even being 12 years into my business journey like either paying or finding the right people and getting access to the information because the information is what what you need to get to the next level and so if you quit learning you kind of start to to plateau so i think yeah. i think that's good advice you mentioned you went from like taking on anything at the beginning right like you just do what you need to do to stay in business and then you guys have evolved quite a bit what do you think's been like one of the biggest pivots you made whether it's like the types of projects that you were doing or the clientele you're going after, or maybe a a certain way you were just running the business? I think it was part of how I was running the business. And then it was also about just targeting the right client for us, right? So like over the last year and a half, we made a major change by moving from one zip code to another. And in the zip code that we're at now, we get a ton of phone calls from the zip code that we're in now, but also like the areas that are very close to us. We opened up a design center. We don't really call it a showroom because it's not open to the public. Like we don't want, you know, a random people walking by and coming in and trying to get like cabinet numbers and stuff. We invite the clients to come in, make selections, whether or not it's anything from cabinetry, paint color, flooring, siding, like hardy board and, and LP smart side and like every detail, like we want them to come in pick those selections out with our designer. I feel like that sets us apart from the guys across the street or or where we came from. Like the zip code alone, someone in my peer group mentioned that that would be a good start. And our lease was up. So I did some looking around and, and we found out where we're at now. And it's been huge for us. Like it took us eight to 10 months before we got the design center built out how we wanted. And it's still here or there cabinet displays coming in and stuff. But that change alone has really broadened and been able to like narrow down our target for clients. That's been huge for us. I can't even put into words how big that's been for us. It's interesting to hear you talk about that. This will be a total tangent. My wife and I often talk about the power of like proximity. And it's funny how uh, there's a totally different context, but I think it applies directly to what you just talked about. Like we have like our neighbors or like our neighborhood friends that they have kids that are our age. Like we'll literally see them three or four times a week versus family that lives an hour away, you know, same state and everything, but we'll see them like four times a year. And I think your point here around proximity is like getting closer to your ideal clients, like was a huge move and just starting to attract them. They probably see your trucks and your signs and all the, like everything more often. And when we talk about marketing and brand awareness, I'm curious if you just noticed any anecdotal things other like, then you guys like moving and setting up shop. Have you noticed that? Like, was that why just because you think people were seeing you more or what led to that? Like attracting more work in that area? Yeah, I don't have the exact analytics behind it on like the back end on the website and stuff like that about where they're coming from. But you do three or four years ago, you do a kitchen project, right? And our kitchen project three or four years ago could have been twenty five, thirty thousand dollars 
you have to do so many kitchen projects a year to stay afloat, keep these guys busy and then pay the overhead. Right. And, you know, it was taught to me, you know, what if we could do five to seven huge projects a year instead of 30 to 40 and, you know, make more, you know, gross margins and all that. So I had to, you know, you do a twenty thirty thousand dollars kitchen, you get a referral from another twenty thirty thousand dollars kitchen. It's a vicious cycle. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you politely, respectfully stop taking those referrals from the clients who already love you, right? So part of that was changing our service area and changing the neighborhood. Like now we don't work in that neighborhood if they call, which kind of stinks because we won't refer them to someone either because we don't really trust others, <laughs> right? Sure. Like we don't want to give them a bad referral and who knows the state of that company going that you're referring, you know what I mean? So we kind of stay away from that. But there's a neighborhood up the street here in Severna Park that we do a lot of work in. We did a huge kitchen. It was a $100,000 kitchen. At the time, it was our biggest kitchen that we've ever done. Right now, we're doing the kitchen across the street from there that was a direct referral from them. And then we did an estimate for the house right next door. And, you know, the houses are set up the same way. So, and they're all part of like a Facebook page in the community. And the neighborhood next to that, we're doing an addition that was a $150,000 addition. They also have their own Facebook page in that community, two separate communities. Since then, we're doing a $70,000 kitchen and a $50,000 bathroom in the same house, the next block over from that addition. Last week, we just signed an addition for a $400,000 addition where we're tearing the roof off and going up a level, all because of that area. And because for one, I mean, we take pride in doing what we say we're going to do. And just communication is so important. But then also like the clients are happy to share our information with their Facebook page and everyone in the neighborhood. And like the clients reach out to me through Builder Trend. We use Builder Trend to manage our projects. The opening message the other day was, hey, I just went on a walk with April and Joanna and everyone is so excited about their projects. And like, you know, that really took me by storm. And like, I take a lot of pride in that. And, you know, it makes me kind of emotional to think about it, but that was huge for us. You know, you're going all walks through the neighborhood, walking through all the properties that we're working on and the clients are talking about us and super excited. And that was huge on getting clients to sign contracts with us on these major projects. You know, like there's a lot of builders in the area and the areas that we're working in are the ones that we specifically targeted and we want to do the work in. Like a lot of the houses are on the water. The the school system is great in this in these neighborhoods. And it's really a blessing to be doing exactly what we want to do in the neighborhoods that we want to do it in. That's it super cool. so fast, I feel like too. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's super cool to hear because I mean you can see like somebody across the street, they see you working there a while. They're like, what's going on? They talk to their neighbors and they're like, okay. I'm curious, you mentioned in both in Two examples, the Facebook groups, is that a big part of your strategy or has it just happened where you like did a good job and then they just put it in that group and shared? It's just, that just happened organically. Like I'm not even in the Facebook groups because you have to answer some questions about the community in order to get in. To be honest, I've been slacking on our Facebook page because we've been so busy lately that it's just been tough to keep up with the social media side of things with pictures and just daily posts. but. 
this summer is my goal to make more content and just create more on social media. So that is something that I'm actually looking to jump on board with like a content creator. And I got some like really cool ideas on how to be more polished as a company and just, you know, continue to be different from the rest. But yeah, as far as Facebook goes, we're not in those groups. We didn't ask for those referrals. And right now we don't have a referral program. We will send like a gift card out. They don't know this, so it's not really an incentive, but we'll send a gift card out or we'll send a gift of some sort or a holiday card, obviously. And then I always shoot them a text or an email that just tells them how much I appreciate them, you know, sharing our information and looking out for us and stuff like that. That's the least that we do now, but it goes a long way. I want to rewind a little bit. You know, I know things are are super busy right now, but like just in general, as you started your business, you've been growing it. What do you think has been the most challenging part or toughest part about just being an entrepreneur? Managing expectations, probably. <laughs> with clients I mean, or with team members? <laughs> this is like a two-part answer. Probably one, with clients, but two, with myself. Hmm. And then maybe the team, the team is third. But for one is like, you know, the clients, if you're just straightforward with them and honest with them, they'll know what to expect. If you tell them, hey, your project's going to take six months, it better not take eight or nine, right? Unless you have a reason. And unless you communicate that earlier on in the process, we had some projects where a client ordered some floor that was on back order. And I knew it was going to be five weeks. And their project originally was supposed to take four weeks. And at that point, you have to have that conversation like, you know, the flooring you picked out is on five week back order. We could get something else similar and, you know, jump right in there and get it taken care of and wrap up the project. And he's like, no, I really like that flooring and that line of flooring. Let's wait for it. So like the project then takes eight weeks by the time it comes in and communication is key to manage that expectation on when it's going to be done. My expectation is sticking to the schedule, right? The guys, I just had to have this conversation in our meeting last week with the guys, like I'm going to keep scheduling how I schedule until you guys come back to me and say, it's impossible, or I can't get it done that fast, or I think you're being unrealistic. And if you guys feel that way, let's have a conversation about it and I'll adjust it accordingly. But like, if I'm making an unrealistic schedule and, you know, we start getting delays, you know, let's have a conversation about it or how can I help you guys stay on target on how much we're getting done this week to keep the schedule ongoing and up and current, you know what I mean? So, you know, some days I get disappointed and some days we hit snags with what gets done. Sometimes it's not avoidable. And, you know, I think a lot of times a quick conversation between me and the team, we can figure that out for either next time or, or maybe we can send a, an additional guy on that project for two days and really, you know, make up some lost ground there. That's good. Yeah. I feel like that's an ongoing battle managing both of those, those expectations. So, yeah. We could probably talk for days and hours about, you know, hiring skilled help, but that's probably the the one that we don't even need to talk about. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems and 
I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, I find that most people in your shoes over the years, there's always like one weird client story or like a wacky project that you experienced anything coming to mind? I mean, I've got one. I don't know if it's like a horror story from a client or not. So we're a design build company. So we take a lot of pride in the design. And then like the idea at the end of the project is we want to be able to take pictures, post them to social media and ask for a review. So like if you ask us to do something that's a little crazy, I might you know, give you some resistance about that. We just finished this huge basement and it was in a new house, but the basement was unfinished to start. We finished this new basement, had a nice bar down there, completely done. It got time for paint colors and the client wanted us to paint this ceiling purple. <laughs> the walls were gray. She oh, wanted the ceiling purple. And I just had to have a conversation with her that like, I refuse to paint this ceiling purple. I didn't say it like I, re- I refuse to do it, but I said, you know, like, that's just not something that we can do. We're going to paint it flat white. And when we get done here, if you wish to have it painted, then, you know, you can pay our painter additionally to come back and do it. He's a subcontractor. So I'm cool with that, but I just don't think that you're going to be happy with the end product and I just can't do it. So like she was all right with it. She hired us to do a bunch of work after that. We did like another custom bar in her kitchen upstairs. It turned out amazing. Very nice people who were going to do their deck probably in a couple months. She appreciated it and respected it and understood it. So it wasn't too bad. Ever since that though, I put into our contract specifically that we will paint that ceiling flat white. We're going to use semi-gloss white on the trim and the walls will be painted in like an eggshell or a flat specifically by Sherman Williams paint just to kind of to take care of that loose end there you know what i mean like i don't want to you know i want to shore up the contract in that you know incidents like that happen and it just adds another line to our contract you know that way we don't have to worry about it again but she was cool about it yeah i have other horror stories but they're probably ones for outside the podcast (laughs) that's all good We'll, we'll catch those another time yeah i feel like uh like in that instance, you want to come in and like get your photos and make sure it looks all nice and you don't want something, you know, isn't going to look good. So yeah, I'm glad you navigated that one. Talk to me a little bit about like what today looks like, where you guys are at. You said your projects are a lot bigger and then more interested in like, what's the future look like? You know, where are you guys trying to go from here now that you've like made the move into the new zip code, got the new showroom up and that sort of thing? We probably do close to 3 million in sales this year. We probably did only, I say only, but we probably did one and a half during COVID last year. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of huge projects that are kind of in the design phase that are scheduled to start 
They're already under a construction contract, as we call it, to start in August and September. And that's been, that kind of books us out for the rest of the year. And even going into the new year, we'll still be on some of those big projects. One of them is a custom home. One of them and three of them are huge additions with whole house remodels. And then we'll probably squeeze in like a large kitchen here or there. But because we have those already lined up and in our queue, I've been able to kind of step back and change our process on how we do our quote unquote estimating. Right now, our website's being redone and we're, and we're going to use that opportunity to change our process. We used to do free estimates. Moving forward, we're changing the scope of projects that we do. We're not going to be doing any small bathroom remodels. The new website will have some pricing on there. So it kind of works towards qualifying the client before they jump on the phone with us or fill out the form online. And then we'll do like a free 20 to 30 minute consultation on the phone or through Zoom and kind of get the nuts and bolts of what their project is. And through that, I'll we'll give them what I think is like a ballpark idea on what their project cost. And if they want to move forward, we'll do like a professional service agreement, which will be like 1% of that ballpark number, which will go towards their construction of their project if they move into that phase. So we'll do a phone call. If they want to move forward, we'll do a professional service agreement. And we will then put together a budget analysis where we'll go out there, we'll take all the photos, we'll do a line item quote. That quote won't have the line items broken out because we do we do a fixed price. We don't really break the prices out though. I'm sure contractors love that clients, not so much, but that's just how we, you know, operate. And then we will, you know, if we have to do any measure, any like site evaluations or anything like that, or we'll get those ducks in a row and present them with a well thought out proposal on what their construction will cost. If they decide to move forward, we'll get them into the design phase. So where they're signing a design agreement, which typically costs 8% of the project. And then we have some designers on staff, we'll get the project designed. And then the idea here is that, you know, they have a budget that they're working with, the designer who is part of the, the team builds this, designs it to what their budget is. So they're not coming back and saying, hey, you designed this something that's $100,000 over budget. What are we supposed to do with this now? Like we're part of the process each turn. So we know what's going on between the finishes, the actual construction. There's a lot of handholding going on there. Clients always have something that they, they have an idea. They've seen something on HGTV, but it really doesn't work how they think it works. And we're there to hold their hand through the project and explain to them either why it works or we can save you money if we go this route instead with the same result at the end of it. Yeah. So then once the design phase is done, we work into a construction contract. So it's a separate contract and then get it on the schedule to start. So that is going to be implemented during, as soon as the website goes live, which is going to be probably three weeks. Right now we have in giant letters on the sides of the trucks, free estimates. We're starting to peel those off and, you know, make sure that we don't have that anywhere now. And then as far as like marketing and stuff like that goes, I want to be able to make some videos that when clients, like some onboarding videos, clients assign the agreement through Builder Trend. We're going to send them a video through an email that says, hey, we're excited to move forward with you on your project. Here's the things here. Here's our process to explain things a little bit better. I think that that's going to really help set us apart from everyone else. 
Also, we're going to put together a probably do it in like a PDF format that we'll send to a client through email just about the emotional roller coaster of a project like this, right? You know, there's going to be times where you're excited. There's going to be times where you're probably ready for the builders to leave your house, the contractors, you're irritated. You just want your house back at this point. So we're going to put together something that shows you, uh, you know, day one, you're excited. Drywall, you're probably got a little bit of anxiety because of the dust and stuff. But, you know, don't worry. We're going to, you know, keep it clean. And uh, now we're putting stuff back together. You should be excited. You know, just something to explain the process a little bit better and really get out in front of any issues that come up. And I think that in our industry, we could definitely be better and different by holding their hand a little bit through the process and just being more thorough and more clear with what our end goals are here. And that's, you know, to do what we say we're going to do and, and be the best at it. If we're getting, you know, top dollar for what we expect in our industry, then we need to perform like it. And I think that this will, this will help us do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like you're making some good shifts. there, starting to get paid for your time up front, which is huge. And, and then, yeah, I like hearing about kind of those like customer journey content pieces, you know, that I think goes a long way to do what you said, which is like raise their view of you as they're going through that process, but also just eliminate some of those like questions that come up around setting expectations and that sort of thing too. So Tim, this, this has been awesome. I guess to, to wrap us up, what's one piece of advice or something you'd share for other remodeling business owners, either just starting out or, or they've been in business for a while? Do network and just ask all the questions that you're unsure about. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if there wasn't a select group of contractors or people that I know that I can just reach out to and ask a question. And even if I like, I doubt myself or I'm unsure of something like in our industry, it's in all of our best interests to look out for each other. I mean, it's competitive out there, but you know, a contractor who is either unlicensed or just puts a bad taste in a client's mouth goes a lot further than contractors out here, you know, fighting for work. You know what I mean? I think that it goes a long way if if we can just you know be stronger together and ask the questions and you know, I know if I have to be better than the guy across the street and he has to be better than me at the end of the day you know we're really going to drive the industry and we're going to be here for a long time and I think that that is important for everyone. Yeah, yeah, good advice. Iron sharpens iron, right? <laughs> so yeah. cool. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Thanks for having me, Spencer. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.